This is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast. It's called Who Gives a Shit Files, and I really appreciate you listening. And this podcast is dedicated to the McCombs, a family that is near and dear to my heart. Erin McCombs is my brother's daughter, and she is a marine biologist, and she works out of the Long Beach Aquarium. And she is got her master's from USC, fight on, always going to plug the, the Trojans. And she's got a daughter who is growing like a weed. She's not quite two yet. Eloise McCombs, and she is a beautiful girl, and I can't wait to watch her grow. And I owe special thanks and dedication to Casey McCombs. And Casey is the one who suggested that I do a podcast on Bryson Lorenzo Nellum. And it is a story. It's it's an amazing story. I can't believe how much admiration I have for Mr. Nellum and what he accomplished. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Now, what is interesting, what is interesting is when you're doing podcasts, you start doing research. And when you when you do research, you come up with some nuggets that are just, you know, it's almost stranger than truth. Now, Bryce and Nellum went to a school in Long Beach called Long Beach Poly. And Long Beach Policy has got an incredible legacy of athletic excellence. And I have to tell you that the barometer I'm going to use is the amount of professional athletes that come from the school. And there is 86 alumni who became professional athletes. And this is in baseball basketball, and football, 86 of them. Now, the, the, there is a school in Virginia that has got 74 athletes that have made it into the pros. It's called Fort Union Military Academy, a private school. By the way, virtually all of the schools that are ranked high in professional athletes are private schools, and Poly is not. It's a public school in Long Beach. Now, Fort Union Military has 74 kids in, that have made it to professional athletes. So Polly has got 12 more. They, they, that's 20% differential. They are the most dominant high school by far when it comes to professional athletes. I mean, Polly has had 58 NFL players, eight NBA players, and 20 major league baseball players. And the list is a mile long of really good players. Now, what this does not include are athletes like, and this one, this lady I love, Billie Jean King. She dominated tennis in the 60s and in the 70s. And you may say that she actually introduced tennis to the modern era for ladies. I mean, what she did is two things. Number one is she started the World Tennis League for women. She made sure they get equal payments when it came to the tennis purses. And she also kicked Bobby Riggs's ass in the Battle of the Sexes in 1973. And it was truly an amazing spectacle. Bobby Riggs was a 55-year-old hustler. Billie Jean King was at the prime of her 
prime of her career, and he challenged her to a best of three set, and it was all over the media. It was televised. It was one of the great sports spectacles of the year, and Billie Jean King kicked his ass and gave credibility to the women's tennis game. And I have to tell you that there are so many good athletes that went to Long Beach Poly, and I'm just going to name a few here. Mercedes Lewis, who went to US, UCLA, and he I think he's still playing in the NFL. He's been in there like 20 years as a tight end. There's Deshaun Jackson, who was fast, 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 went to Cal. Juju Smith-Schuster, Willie McGinnis, Hall of Famer. Darnell Bing, Mark Carrier, both USC boys. Carl Weathers. And he was Apollo Creed and Rocky. Earl McAuliffe, who is not only a professional football player, but he was also an Olympian. Um, baseball players include Ozzie Smith and Tony Gwynn, Hall of Famers. And I got to tell you, by the way, that doesn't include Snoop Dogg and Cameron Diaz. So, you know, that in and of itself is amazing. But when I was digging a little more, I stumbled upon this nugget, which really surprised me. So Long Beach Wilson is the rival high school for Polly. And Long Beach Wilson has got more Olympians by about 25% more Olympians than any other high school. Are you kidding me? I mean, these high schools are like 15 miles apart, yet one has the most professional athletes and the other has the most Olympians. So there have been 38 alumni of Long Beach Wilson, and I believe Casey McCombs was a runner for Long Beach Wilson. They've had 38 alumni uh, that have competed in the Olympics. And by the way, the closest high school is a private school, Punahou, in, in, in Hawaii, and they've had 30. And Long Beach Wilson has been represented in 16 different Olympics. I mean, this is a high school. What a streak. They've got 26 medals. So I ask you, how does this happen? Now, there is one factor that lends itself. Now, these are both public high schools, and most of the professional athletes or most of the schools with, with high numbers of professional athletes and Olympians are private schools like Punahou. But in Long Beach, which is, is 500,000, is not a huge it's not a huge metropolitan area it's not like chicago new york la miami it's it's relatively small compared to those huge cities and what it does do it does allow people an open enrollment so they're not cut up into hard fast boundaries in terms of jurisdiction of the high school so you can go no matter where you are in Long Beach, if you want to go to Wilson, if you want to play water polo, or if you want to play or swim or play volleyball, which is where a lot of their Olympic medals come from, you go to Long Beach Wilson. If you want to play football or basketball or baseball, you go to Long Beach Poly. 
But nonetheless, once again, there's less than a half million people in Long Beach. And you, the demographics are not overly skewed for a population that size in a Southern California. It's primarily Hispanic, a little over 50% of the population. 20% is African-American, 20% is white, and about 10% are Pacific Islanders or other Asian nationalities. But nonetheless, I mean, I find, you know, maybe it's just me, but I find this astounding that within 15 miles, you have the high school with the most professional athletes and the most Olympians in the same, in the same school district. Stunning. Now, what I wanted to do is I wanted to now talk about Bryson Nellum. And Bryson Nellum is an incredible athlete. And he was a multi-sport athlete at Poly. He was a three-star wide receiver and was right, widely recruited, but he made his mark in track. I mean, Bryson Nellum was fast. I mean, saying, saying Bryson was fast is like saying Shaquille O'Neal is big, or Mother Teresa is kind, or Albert Einstein, or Leo, Leonardo da Vinci, I almost said Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo da Vinci, that they're smart. I mean, it doesn't begin to describe what he can do. So, Bryson Nellam in high school, he won the California State Championship in track in the 200 and 400 meters two years in a row, his junior year and his senior year. California has been renowned for its sprinters, but nobody, I repeat, nobody has done this before. In 2007, four years ago, he was Gatorade Athlete of the Year. He is the most decorated track man in California state history. Think of all the track athletes that have gone through California. I mean, the fact that he is number one speaks volumes. Now, he was on his way, he got a full ride to USC, okay, a full ride, and he was on his way to becoming like a track athlete. And I'm kind of a track geek, and you know, I'll do my best if I get too technical here, but he was on his way to becoming Michael Johnson. And Michael Johnson won four gold medals in the Olympics in the 200 and 400 meters. He was the fastest man in the world. And this guy was doing the same thing. I, what I did is I did some research on the times of Michael Johnson versus uh, Bryson Nellum. Told you I was a, a track geek. And their times are comparable. Actually, in the 200... Uh, Bryson Nellum is a little faster. As a matter of fact, Bryson Nellum set a 200-meter sprint record of 2.43 for California, which was the fastest time in California history, and it hasn't been beaten yet. It still exists after, what, 15 years? I mean, that is stunning. But unfortunately for our hero, Bryson Nellam, and this man is a hero, I am not using that term sarcastic, sarcastically at all. It came crashing down on Halloween of 2008. Now, what happened is Bryson was entertaining a track recruit for USC, and they were about five blocks away from USC campus. 
And this is where things get a little blurry here. And it's funny when you enter, you know, you do research on the internet, you get two different stories. But anyways, one story says that he was leaving a nightclub. Another story says he was leaving a Hollywood party. So I have not talked to Bryson Nellum. I would relish, relish the opportunity to meet the man considering what he has done and what he has accomplished. Now, a guy jumped out of an SUV, a man carrying a shotgun. He pulled the trigger, and if you've ever seen a shotgun happen, there's a bunch of pellets that explode. Well, three pellets entered both of his legs, and they started careening off bone, tissue, and joints, doing irreversible damage to his most valuable assets, which are his legs. Now, his legs were scarred and from his knees to his hamstring. It looked awful. And doctors tried everything possible to remove the pellets that were lodged in his legs in the first surgery, but they couldn't do it. So they had to have a subsequent surgery. There was too much swelling, too much damage. So then they did another surgery in August in 2010. That was the second surgery. Now the doctors told him in the days afterwards that he would never be a world-class sprinter and his days of running are done that he needs to concentrate on walking. Now, can you imagine how this guy felt? And I have to tell you that training as a sprinter is not like training any other way in sports because when you blink, now blink, everybody blink. So that takes one-tenth of a second to blink. That is an eternity for a sprinter. When you're sprinting to be the fastest kid in California history, a tenth of a second is huge. And you have to train so hard on your explosiveness, on your start, on your finish, on your stride. It requires, you know, self self uh, denial. You can't drink. You can't smoke. You've got to work hard every day because it comes down to one tenth of a second. It literally comes down to a blink. And yeah, he was had God given talent. Yeah, he was fast. But in order to accomplish what he did, he had to be totally dedicated to his craft to be the best sprinter in history. Now, the two men who shot him were gang were gang members, and they were convicted of attempted murder. Now, Bryshawn did not recognize these these gang members, and he was not associated with gangs. But in everything I read about uh, Mr. Nellum is that he he is, he's not a young man anymore. He's a great man. And he was a role model. And he was no way he was associated with games. No way in hell. You can't accomplish what he what he did and still be associated with gangs. There's just not enough time. So the cops said it was a random shooting. And the friends and family said that he was targeted. Now, I, you know, I don't want to besmirch the cops. I'm sure they did their due diligence. But 
I did some research on gang-related shootings. Hardly anybody, it's very rare that gang-related shootings are in the legs. It's usually in the upper torso, the head, in the shoulders. It's not in the legs. I mean, it to, to me, this was planned because he was a sprinter and he was shot in the legs. I don't, in my, in my mind, and in some other people's mind that I read on the internet, they're sure that he was targeted. They're not sure why, but they're sure he was targeted. Now, the rehab that he went through was awful. I mean, it was awful. You know, pain was just, it was ubiquitous. It was devastating. It was everywhere. He hurt all the time. I mean, you know, once again, the doctor said, forget about running in the short term. We're going to just see if you can walk. And Bryshon was confined to a wheelchair for two months. Here is this world-class sprinter going to USC on a track and field scholarship. And he can't use his legs. He can't even walk. So after two months in a wheelchair, that was followed by several months on crutches and a walker. I mean, can you believe this poor guy? And for endless hours, he pushed through intense pain to conduct physical therapy. And after a year, one year of dealing with pain, dealing with agony, day after day of frustration. I mean, I wonder how many times he wondered, why me? Why me? But instead of feeling sorry for himself and going into the depths of despair, he pushed through the pain and conducted physical therapy. And he got to a point where a year after the shooting, he could start jogging again. So what happened is that must have seemed like a lifetime to him of being confined in a wheelchair, of being confined to crutches, but he pushed through it. And what exacerbated, this, this just makes me so mad. It gets my blood boiling. So what, what exacerbated the situation is that people assume that, that Mr. Nellum was part of a gang and nothing could be farther than the truth. I mean, he, you know, he was, when he was, when he was on the internet, they're writing that this is what happened when people get associated with gangs. He was in a doctor's office and a little girl and their mother were talking about him. They didn't know he was there. And the mother was trying to teach the daughter a lesson saying, stay away from gangs because Bryce Nellum was in a gang and he got shot. I mean, this must have been so frustrating to him, this misconception that he was part of a gang and nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, he was athletic. He was out, an outgoing kid. He was a good student. He was a hard worker. He was an absolute role model. I mean, he, you know, this, anyways, before I get too wound up on this. So undaunted, Bryson kept and dealing with the misconceptions and and listening to a to a a doctor's prognosis that said okay now that you're jogging 
you know, you'll you'll never be able to run fast again. So what he did, I read this on the internet, is he had a metaphorical helmet. He insulated himself from the the gang talk, from the fact that he, you know, the doctors were saying he'll never be a sprinter again. And he was going to run. He was determined that he was going to run and that he was going to make the Olympic team because that's what he wanted to do. And no one thought he could do it except for a couple of coaches and a couple of friends who had faith in him. And on his 21st birthday, May 1st, 2010, one point, one and a half years after he was shot, he did run again, but it wasn't pretty. He was a shadow of his former self. He was experiencing severe pain in his legs. As a matter of fact, he was running a relay race for SC and a man that was this tough, that pushed this hard, that did this all this rehab, he couldn't finish the race because he was in so much pain. So what he had to do in August of 2011, he decided to have a third surgery. And what had happened is there were additional pellets that were lodged into his nerves and they were pressing against his bones. So every time he ran, it caused severe, severe pain. And, you know, I mean, he must've looked at this. I mean, you're talking August of 2011, the Olympics were in August of 2012. He had a year, but it was actually less time than that because in June we're going to be the Olympic trials and he, you know, you're just not appointed to the Olympics when you're, when you're in track and field, you have to qualify in the top three to be part of the Olympic team. And what he did is he redoubled his efforts at, at training and rehab. And he relentlessly pushed in his body and mind through incredible hardship and incredible pain. I mean, this must have been insane for him. I mean, this must have been nuts trying to push so hard and, and just, you know, with this one goal in mind. It would have been so easy for him to quit. It would have been so easy for him just to call it a day and focus on his studies because he was a really good student. But he didn't. He didn't. He kept pushing. He kept trying. And on June 24, 2012, June 24, so let's do this timeline again. August of 2011, he had an operation removing pellets from his leg. And on June 24th, so that was less than a year later, that was like nine months later, he, he ran the 400 meters at the Olympic trials in a personal best of 44.8 seconds. And he qualified for the Olympic team. Are you kidding me? He did it. He did it. He qualified for the Olympic team. And then August 2012, Bryson Lorenzo Nellum won the silver medal in the four by 400 meters. The man did it. He achieved his goal. He pushed through 
all of the barriers, the being shot, the perception of being a gang member, you know, it, the doctor saying that he had no chance of running again. And here he became a, a, a Olympian, but a medalist. And I have to tell you that what is also, you know, what he did did not go unnoticed. In the closing ceremony, he was handpicked by the coaches and teammates to carry the American flag in the in the the Olympic closing in London. I mean, what a story. What a story. And I'm so glad that his teammates acknowledged what he went through. Now, what I have to tell you is that he also graduated with a degree of public administration from USC. And from what I've read, once again, I've never met the man, and I'd love to tell him how much I think of him because he is a truly remarkable human being. And he's working towards his graduate degree. Now, I have to tell you that Bryson Nellum is the consummate role model. I mean, if, if he's the poster child, really, of hard work for overcoming adversity, for demonstrating and in demonstrating force of will to achieve your goal. I mean, it's one thing to be a talented runner and the best runner of all team, but it's another one to get shot on your journey to becoming an Olympic medalist. So I have to tell you that Long Beach, the city of Long Beach has a rich legacy of athletic prowess by their native sons. They should not be more proud and they should love the fact of what Bryson Nellum did, what he accomplished in spite of his incredible hardships. This is Jim English, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for listening. And Bryson Nellum, I hope you get a chance to listen to this because I admire you so much for what you accomplished and what you went through.